Welcome back to Star Trek Highly Logical. I'm Spanner, and with me is Yeoman Alfie, uh, Nurse Alfie, in fact. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Nurse? We're going to discuss doctors and medicine in Star Trek. Okay, so we've we've got these two categories: okay. medicine or medical reality checks. And what I mean by that is when a character, for example, or a storyline goes into exploring how the detrimental effect of when they can't use medicine to cure a ailment, for example. Yeah. And that is my university thesis title. Yeah. Thank a, you for listening to my TED talk. You made up <laughs> a Falusian brainworm, I think. Star Trek, highly illogical. These are the ramblings of Spanner and Alfie, their continuing mission to overanalyze sci-fi telly, to explore nonsensical truth and strange new observations, to badly go where too many have gone before. Okay, medicine reality checks where a character is like holy shit, medicine yeah. won't fix this or like my something has changed irreversibly and they're like shit, Starfleet and space isn't all fun and it's not that safe. Frolics. That's right, yeah. So I'll kick off the discussion with Narg in DS9 when he joins Starfleet and ends up getting shot, stabbed, phasered and <laughs> Punched in the nutsack. Um, and in his nogsack. Yeah. In his nogsack. Holy shit, yes. His nogsack, wearing his bed head skirt. Um, <laughs> and he gets some real PTSD, actually. And he, he, he does from, quit. from losing his yeah. leg, doesn't he? he um, mm-hmm. it, it has a bit of a lasting effect that you know, normally, I don't know, they, these things happen and they kind of move past it like by next week. But that kind of bugs him for a while, doesn't it? Losing his Definitely. Leg. He goes and moves in with fucking Holodeck. Oh, he does. He goes to, he goes to live with Victor, Vic Fontaine, doesn't he? Vic Fontaine, which is just the most <laughs> ludicrous storyline ever. <laughs> it was a bit. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like, how, but he's not li- really living in the Holodeck. He's living in Vic Fontaine's apartment and making him orange juice and yeah. root beer for breakfast or whatever. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. D- DS9 is a much darker series mm. in the grand scheme of things. And this is an example of how it's darker, is that the, there is some consequences and there is some... Yeah. They don't necessarily get better by the end of the episode, do they? No, 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 they don't. It they're, lingers. Their illness, yeah. their injuries, the, the dead people. <laughs> it lingers yeah. sometimes. They do, and their optimism also dwindles, um, and they're all, all, all fighting to to maintain the the Starfleet optimism, and right. they can't they can't escape. Perhaps like you know the Enterprise can just fly away when the shit gets real, but in DS9, no, they have to clean up the mess. Yeah, quite right. Like even though in the future, you know, they could they can probably graft on a, a leg that's bi- totally bionic and awesome. But they give him a new leg not. straight away. They, they give do. him a new leg straight away, but it's not his leg, you know. He, you know, and and they couldn't give it him straight away. Yeah, he at least gets to carry a pimp kit in for a while, doesn't he? He does, like the Grand Negus. Is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me borrow that. I've got a bad leg. Haha, I'm the <laughs> Negus <laughs> now. Who's the Negus now? 
the point is that he, you know, he, he felt the sense of mortality couldn't always be the hero and stuff like that. Right. So that was a bit of a medical reality check. Also, in a similar way, in, in, in The Next Generation, when Worf gets hit by a, falls off the bulkhead or something. and Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was just, he was poking around in the cargo bay or something, wasn't he? Yeah. And that whole episode is a very medical-centric episode where this experimental doctor boards the ship and Beverly Crusher ends up fighting her because right. she has unethical practices. She just wants to test out her new printed skeleton. Yes, yeah, she's trying to grow him a new spine or something. So. Exactly, and, and Worf just wants to commit suicide. He's already dead in his mm. eyes. He's like, ah, oh, a warrior cannot be seen lying down. Like, this is what <laughs> a warrior does. It's like, what next? Jeremy Kyle on television? This is not what a warrior watches. Now give me my prune juice and my slippers. Um, I thought that episode was really quite dark as well in the fact that poor Alexander yeah he has a shit time of it first of all Worf won't even let him in to sick bay and then when he finally does he's like propped himself up like weekend at Bernie's and he's like father you look fine and he's like yes I am fine don't don't worry about a thing and then ah falls on the floor don't look at me son I feel like warriors, you know, these Klingon warriors, I think they would actually have really good futuristic medicine, the Klingons, because they would always be getting injured and getting bits shot off and cut off. and. Yeah, but no, they smashed. don't. That's exactly why they don't, because they I don't know. I, then they go to Stovacor. If they if they get injured in battle and die so. in battle, then they, want, they get to Stovacor and that's what they want. But surely getting yourself stitched up and carrying on to, you know, live to fight another day kind of thing would be fairly predominant in that kind of society as well. Yes, agreed. you think General Martok would have rather died than have just one eye. <laughs> but why didn't he get a new eye? Or have a jaw divisor fitted. Exactly, because that's not the Klingon way. The Klingon way is, you know, use your pain sticks, like, you know, destroy me and then I'll fight you back until I can't fight you back and then I'll just die, thank you. <laughs> I can't remember, was it, um, if it was Final Frontier or Undiscovered Country where Christopher Plummer plays a Klingon? He's a really cool Klingon, actually, and he's got an eye patch, except it's, like, screwed. He's got, like, you can see it's got rivets where it's bolted to his skull. <laughs> yeah, so Worf doesn't like to have the boo-boos. Yeah. And he asks Riker to suicide him, and Riker's like, no! <laughs> and, then, and then Picard's like, you know, a good friend would, just saying. Um, and Riker's like, hmm, well, still no. And then in the end... Yeah, they're all about respecting these these alien cultures. And as you said, that would be a really important part of a Klingon culture. You'd think, in fact, as soon as he was... If he was in sick bay with a poorly finger, you'd think someone would run in and finish him off. Just <laughs> just out of respect for Klingon culture. Yeah, I'm not sure what you mean by finish him off, but yeah. No, not that. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's another bay for that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's on the holiday. The boudoir bay is a riser where someone just runs in to finish you off. <laughs> <laughs> will that will that be all, Captain? Just I mean, that could be considered a certain sort of medical treatment. I think. Yeah, I mean, didn't it cure women of hysteria? There you go. Still does. Anyway. Yeah, so the Klingons and medicine, it's an interesting point that you make there that you'd think they'd be futuristic, but no, it's in fact the opposite. Yeah. They are not interested in, in self-preservation. It's all for the Empire. But a dead Klingon can't fight. So you'd think that, yeah, I don't know, they, they would have... I disagree. A dead Klingon can send down kisses from Stovacor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sunshine from Stovacor. <laughs> yeah, it's like giving you a ray a day. <laughs> The Duras way. <laughs> That's the commercial for, for Stovacore Sunshine. It's like Sunny Delight, you can drink it. Oh, that could be, actually, it sounds like the name for a, like a Klingon old folks home. 
<laughs> Definitely. When you're just trying to cling on. For, for one last battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cling on with us. <laughs> Sunshine from Stovacore. For a warrior's way out. <laughs> a way station for weary warriors. Uh. Came home to roost a bit for Odo as well, didn't it? When bits started dropping off him and he got all flaky and stuff. Oh, well, as we've learned, that was from morphogenitititis. Yeah, morphogenitis. Morphogenic Metaphor virus? Morphogenitititis. It's yeah. morphogenic virus, yeah. Morphogenitis. Um. Yeah, and he was all right for long enough, but then it, it caught up and, I don't know, what was it? What, what happened? They couldn't revert to the liquid state, could they? Through, through fear of not being able to go return to solid form, I think. Uh, right. Well, I found actually really interesting that the, that the founders had the power of making Odo human. Now, was that some sort of supernatural shit? Like, that they could, they could, the committee of the Great Link mm. decided through their solid, own trial, they made him a solid. They made him a human. They were like, if you love them so much, then fucking be one. Bah. And then they just like, okay, we forgive you now. And they made him changing again. So could they essentially make anybody a changeling if they wanted to? Or did he have, did he maintain some changeling DNA in his human self? I feel like what actually happened was he was still a changeling, just like normal, but they put in some kind of like emulsifying agent that just kind of stuck him in that position, you know? So he was almost like he was in a mold Okay, like House of Wax. Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, you know. So they, they just sort of solid, yeah, solidified yeah. his his current form, but he was still a changeling. It just. I disagree because he can then eat food and has a digestive system and everything like that. Yeah. From when they make him human after, so he's not just like a, a solid changeling. He's a human being. Unless they just, you know, they just mimic the shape of a whole, you know, like with taste buds and everything like that. No, I don't. Uh, everything like that. I think I think they did it so that they wouldn't have to spend money on special effects for a couple of seasons. But wouldn't that be cool though if they did have the ability to make people changing so that they could have made Kira changing so that Odo and Kira could be together forever? Wouldn't that oh, be lovely? They, they could just yeah, they could slosh around in a bucket together. That would be nice for them. Yeah, I won't kink shame you there. <laughs> but wouldn't that be cool because then they wouldn't see solids deem worthy of you know, assimilating into the Great Link. But if they had the ability to actually choose some species that they wanted to, and then they could get all their knowledge and stuff like that. It's like a Borg, but like a, a slippery Borg. <laughs> a slippery Borg. That sounds <laughs> like a type of vibrator or something. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's, that's what happens when a founder gets assimilated, they become a slippery Borg. Possibly. <laughs> hey, but you know, I think being the, it's way more appealing, I think, being part of the Great Link. They all just seem to like be in a, like, like you put it, slop, slopping around in a bucket in like this orgasmic state mm. of liquidity. Yeah, I didn't really feel like, I feel like the big hedonists, honestly. Um, you know, when the founder was whatever, melding with, with the Odo, mm. what, what, what do they call it when they, when they connect or whatever, when they get their jellies on? Uh, um, yeah. When they link, I think. When they link, yeah. yeah. Link her, yeah. She didn't really focus on any of the day-to-day of being the human life of Odo or the meaningful connections that he's made on the ship or anything that was important to Odo. They didn't, you know, even though she had access to all his memories and everything like that, all they seem to do is just, like, have this, like, state of fucking constantly and get, like, really worn out from exuding energy from fucking and then and then they never really talk about what they learned from you know sharing the mind it's all a bit like cool let's have a cigarette now you know let's get back to that fucking uh. and and they have so much like odo could have shared so much more about the founders about the history like he has so much knowledge from that experience but instead he's just like 
that was so good. Got yeah. it. Oh, like, that was great. Can't, can't explain it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just so good. <laughs> so I think, like, while we're still on DS9, real quick, one more thing I thought could go into this reality check uh, heading mm. is uh, I'd like you to pick up on this uh, topic actually because I know this is uh, an episode that that you've discussed with me in great detail before, mm. is when Bashir um, goes to a planet and he's tasked with trying to find a cure for this uh, planet's disease and take it away, spin spun <laughs> into ship, ship face. Well, uh, was it called the Blight or something like that? And the, the Dominion gave this whole like species a nasty disease for like fighting back. Yes. Didn't it? And I mean, it would have the, the obvious thing, in pretty much, I, I think in pretty much any other episode of Star Trek, the Federation would have come to the rescue and yes, right at the end they found the cure, everybody's now totally okay. And they didn't but they didn't do it. They didn't he, he found a vaccine, didn't they? Where the so the kids were gonna be okay. So there was some sort of light on the horizon, but mm-hmm. it didn't bottle it, you know, and it didn't find the cure. I thought that was good. He shouldn't have necessarily, no. you know. The whole episode is really focused on Bashir's struggle mm-hmm. and coming to terms with the fact that he even with all his genetic modification stuff, even all his arrogance and all his training, mm-hmm. and the whole and, and you know the resources of the entire federation, yes, at his hands, and he really felt the for the first time in his short career because he's a young dude that he isn't in control and there's fucking nothing that he can do. Mm. You know, no matter how quick-witted or smooth he is or how nice his hair looks, or, or how or how hard he works or how long he stays there and how much he toils, it's, sure. it's not going to happen. And how much he wants it to happen and how optimistic and how friendly and how helpful he wants to be and how much he's willing to sacrifice doesn't mean shit and that was scary for him and subsequently um, as an audience watching him go through that struggle you felt like okay he's growing up in this episode you saw Bashir grow up and that was very important for his his character um, evolution yeah it was a a lasting change it's good you you don't get many of those in the sort of kind of week by week amnesiac series you know he's just a smart ass kid right he's just incredibly intelligent but just like a you know know it all yeah he's always right and stuff but there wasn't much warmth to him and something that people couldn't really relate to but now this sort of experience hum- human humanized him right humor humified him yeah. humidified him <laughs> humidified <laughs> like, yeah, like from the founder. from from the slippery board <laughs> so who would you want to have as your doctor from all this from the trek doctors so who would I want to have for Yeah, and my I'm not doctor. necessarily talking about the one that you would the one that you like the most. Which one like that you want there fixing you up? Okay. Okay. So cool. So let's do some quick quick disclaimers. We've got some uh, doctor sorry, doctor patient confidentiality right now. Okay. Uh-huh. So I can discuss with you my my legit I won't tell uh, anyone and nobody's listening to this anyway, so you're okay. Sweet. Okay. So chlamydia, let's start with that. Felusi <laughs> <laughs> and chlamydia. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it Horgonorrhea? Oh my god, that was good. That's what you get on Riser if you don't use protection. It really burns. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, uh, so who? So okay. Who's my favourite doctor? Who do I want treating me? Yeah, that's the question. It really depends on what what I'm going in to see the doctor with. If it was something probably to do with my heart, then I'm gonna have to go maybe controversially. Do you, do you mean like if you were if you were lovesick? Yeah, if I had a broken heart, if I got dumped on prom night, then I'd go to I'd go to um, the EMH and I'd put a subroutine of prom date in. 
So heart stuff, as I was saying, I think I'd go to Pulaski because she was the heart specialist and all of the other Starfleet doctors couldn't grate on Picard mm. in the episode in TNG. Oh, yeah, that's right. Episode. They have to call in Pulaski. And Picard's so mad about it. He's like, you, how dare you how dare you know that I'm not perfect in every respect? But maybe you don't know what's wrong with you. You know, you're just been in a shuttle sh uh, shuttlecraft crash because that happens quite a lot too. Oh, am I far away from home too? Uh, well, the doctor's there. You can, you've got the doctor. Yes, but I can pick any doctor I want. Yeah. But I'm maybe not near the Alpha Quadrant. Maybe per se. Okay, how, how about Flux? Because mm. I think Flux is really super resourceful. And what I love about Flux is what I feel like Flux has got an empathy that the other mm -hmm. doctors don't have. He loves his job. You can tell, and he's very dedicated to his job. In a, and the way his compassion for animals and all species, he uses techniques. He's really good at fusion and using creative license within medicine because he's not restrained by you know the general medicine practice of like hum, human science and stuff like that. He might not be the best of the best of the best, but I think he's he's got what it takes to find a solution. And I think if you're stranded or if you mm. want a doctor by your side, it's someone who is not just he's not willing to be creative. Because I think in deep space exploration, you need creative. Mm. Not just STEM, not just math, science, and the E and the M's. You need the creativity that allows you to survive and to not only survive but to prosper. I think I agree. Yeah, you would live long and prosper with Flocks by your side. I, I would go with him too because I mean I, I like what they did with him. In I mean he's got. Did he say he's got six doctorates or something? Anyway, so, you know, he's pretty well tooled up. But what's cool about Flux is they didn't have somebody who was reliant on the technology of the future. But that's why he's got all his menagerie, hasn't he? He's, even by today's standards, he's using very traditional medical methods. So, as you see, he's got that kind of resourcefulness that you would want if you were stranded on a planet or something. He could still fix you up Absolutely. with things that he finds on the cave wall, you know? He'd scrape something off the cave wall and make it into yeah. a poultice. He's the man for that type of thing. Grab a Leola root from Neelix, from Neelix's With country. all the others, if they don't have a medical tricorder with them, they're, they're buggered. They don't know what to do. And he's also into, uh, into not into <laughs> species relations, but well, he is a bit, not though. quite that. Yeah. What I mean, but mainly for like mental health stuff and things like that. I feel like he's mm. very non-judgmental. I think you could be honest with him and he wouldn't give you a time. Because I mean, when T'Pol gets addicted to the Vulcan oh, yeah. narcotics, he knows about it and he supports her and he encourages it and he doesn't make her feel less than for it. And he protects her through that in the mm. way that he can, you know? I also like Bones. He's a bit more, uh, he's a bit more of a blunt instrument, but I feel like Bones always did a pretty good job of getting to the root of things. Sort of good old country doctor, isn't Sure, he? because he's very direct. He doesn't play games. Yeah, he's not interested in in the, in the status. Yeah, he gets to know his patients, I think, does Bones. I like that. But sometimes he has no sympathy for his patients there with Bones. Sometimes he's like, um, I told you, Lieutenant, that if, if you were going to go down on the away <laughs> mission, that you shouldn't touch things because he's, he's like, how dare you bleed on my on my, on my sick bay? You know, I think he's kind of mean sometimes. And, and it's like too late by that point. I don't feel like you should be yelling at somebody that's <sighs> in pain or injured by that point. Like, you know, preventative, not like scolding them afterwards. Bones is also, he's like a doctor first and he's a Starfleet officer second but he's not he's not trying to be anything else in Starfleet you know I mean he comes and hangs around on the bridge when he's got nothing to do in sickbay because that's where his mates are I like that he's not think... got some like um, big ambition to become something in Starfleet he's just a doctor yeah he, he genuinely doesn't no. give a shit if people like him or not and i think that's why you respect him but i think to be your doctor you you want somebody who does try hard and does have 
an invested interest in making connections and, and sort of... I don't know. I mean, when they go back uh, into the past, you know, they go back to 1986. You know, he's walking down the corridor and he sees an old woman with kidney dialysis and he says, what is this, the Dark Ages? It gives her a pill and she's right as rain. He's not, he's not interested in prime directives or any of that stuff. Exactly. After making a snarky comment and after, yeah. Okay, I like that's that vibe. Fairly, yeah. fairly cool. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely beats beats his drum to his own drum <laughs> beat. That's a good thing to do with the drum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so which of the doctors wouldn't you particularly want? Okay, so which doctors are the Burns, Crusher, Pulaski, Bashir, EMH, Flox, Disco, Disco doctor. doctor? whose name I can't quite remember. It's a bad sign when you get series four and you still don't know the characters' names. It's probably like Louisa Trufflebottom. That's what I think that might be what it is. Because, you know, because like Michael Burnham is just like, doesn't suit her. So this guy wouldn't look like a yeah. Louisa Trufflebottom. I don't think that's the name. Doctor Discovery. <laughs> God, we're having to Google it. Um, that's a poor do. Shame on you, Paramount. Uh, Disco Doctor. Oh, he's called Hugh Colber. Hugh what? It doesn't even <laughs> yeah. ring a bell when I say it out loud. Is, is that, is, and I thought maybe this would be actor name, but no, no, this is the character's name, Hugh Colber. Col Colber? <laughs> Doctor Colber. Colber. They've never once said that in Discovery, I'm sure. Maybe, maybe I'm pronouncing Kulper, it wrong. Kulber, 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 Kulber. Hugh Kulber. Hugh Kulber. Right, okay. Well, there we are then. Don't think I'm even going to remember that. I'm going to get a no, tattoo that says, I'm going to get a tattoo now with his name on it. Hugh, Hugh Kulber. And then in brackets afterwards, just put Disco Doctor, just so that Disco. you remember later on. Why did I have exactly. that name from? And, and from my... People are like, people are <laughs> asking Kulber. Hugh's, people are like, Hugh's that, Hugh's, Hugh, 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 oh my God. Who is Hugh Colbert? And, and you, I'd be like... Oh, he was, he was an ex-Slippery Borg. No, yeah. that was a different Hugh. I'd be like, I fucking don't know, and I wasn't even drunk when I got this tattoo, and I'm still confused. But I've forgotten, goddamn. Or I'd be like, oh, I know, it was from uh, Star Trek. It was Hugh the Borg, the Slippery Borg. <laughs> Hugh the Borg from The Next Generation. Geordie LaForge names him Hugh, right? Hugh, um, yeah. But that's that's a different character. So there's two Hughes in Star Trek. They couldn't even give him his own name. He, he should be called Hunian Song. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would want to be treated by Julian. I mean, he seems like a nice guy and all, but I always feel like he's he gets distracted a lot, and yeah. he would rather he would rather write up he would rather be famous mm -hmm. for having written some kind of great new medical paper, paper than actually like fixing you up. Yes, he'd get He's always got other things to do. Away. Yeah. Carried away with the achievement of the diagnosis or... Or just something else that's going on, you know? He's, he's distracted, is he in Dax love with somebody distracted. else this week. Or, he's, yeah, he's, he gets he, gets distracted. One might say he's exactly. He does, that happens to him a lot. Dickstracted. And he... Um, By the old man. Yeah. And rarely actually spends any time in the infirmary, as it is there, I suppose. True that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure I would particularly want Julian by my bedside. Yeah, I think Julian encompasses sort of this medical scholar, you know, a future guy who's going to be go down in the books of being a real medicine genius in the more of like research and development sort of areas and things. It was good what they did. It, you know, all, all other Star Trek doctors are really well established, aren't they? And he was fresh out of medical school and full of ambition. And that was a good character trait, but I wouldn't particularly. Yeah, I wouldn't particularly want him waving a tricorder at me. I mean, I would. He can put that wherever he'd like, but uh, right. I wouldn't pick him out of all the list. Would you consider Deanna Troy as being a medical professional? Oh, absolutely. She's she wears blue, uh, but she's counsellor. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. So I would. She is a doctor. 
Is she, is she a doctor? Have they established that? Can't yeah, they, no, they always call her counsellor, Troy. Yeah. But I'm sure you have to go to doctor school because she's really got... She's you got, can become a doctorate, you know, as a therapist. I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the time they do have a doctorate, don't they? I just don't recall them ever saying that she... Uh, but she, don't forget, she has rank as um, high as... what is quite a high rank. First officer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Command, command rank. And then she does a test for to, to do the bridge. But yeah. she has a really high rank prior to that anyway. So I would assume... Well, there's that excellent episode where things blow up and the, the bridge gets cut off and she she ranks above I can't remember who's Everyone. on the bridge with her Royal Aaron's uh, there O'Brien. and O'Brien's O'Brien. there she's, uh, she's the highest ranking officer and they have to call her sir yeah but that's a different thing I guess that's a Starfleet rank isn't it there's as much as uh, being a, a medical qualification even Vic Fontaine seems to work as a counsellor doesn't it he's about as near as they've got as a, to a counsellor on DS9 yeah I think exactly. so he's, he's like an emergency medical counsellor <laughs> EMC yeah um, I actually think um, Guinan's a better counsellor than Troy. So before I watched Star Trek mm-hmm. and remembered it, you know, through pop culture and passingly, mm-hmm. um, I thought if I was to dress up as a Star Trek character or whatever, I would perhaps put a visor on, like Geordie LaForge's visor. I thought that was some sort of Star Trek futuristic gadget thing. Wasn't really aware of what purpose it served. And now I know, and now it just doesn't make sense because he's the only character across mm. all the Star Trek that wears one. And so it's not really a Star Trek thing. It's just kind of like a Geordie LaForge thing. You know, I know they do touch upon it a couple of times of why he still uses it and things, and it's part of his identity and stuff. But, uh, it's made into such a big thing, and it's not really a big, it's a very minor minor part. In fact, there would have been some good storylines in that, in, in some other people who've got them, or, or even if he just had upgrades. I know by the time they made first, you know, the first Contact film, they've replaced it with eyeballs, but it seemed like it was there for a reason, like they were going to make a big storyline out of it, but it just, you just kind of get used to it, and it goes unnoticed for the most part, doesn't it? You think somebody else would be using this kind of tech as well? Yeah, it just struck me as how irrelevant it is when it seems it so relevant for an outsider. For the most part, it could have just had ordinary vision, and it wouldn't really have affected Jordy's character all that much, would it? No. There's one or two episodes, you know, where it's a thing, or it falls off, and he <laughs> fumbles around on the floor looking for it. But the skin of evil tells Data to step <laughs> on it. Yeah, but yeah, it's not the big plot point that it seems like it should be. No, and when the Romulans, like, they hack it, it's actually more of a hindrance than a help. In terms of medical equipment, though, one of the things I did always really think was cool was the hypospray. And even going right wait, back to... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, was that... Was it... I was like I was just getting a shot in the arm. Yeah, I just um, gave you um, some... I mean, it was slightly different back here, like in TOS, they still had to put a, a little file in there that would contain whatever it was, but they, they could do it through your clothes. You know, there's no needle. It just like went through your clothes. Um, so there's obviously some kind of cool tech going on there that it's sterile, no needle, you know, there's, it's not penetrative. Um, for now, for now. It doesn't really go through your clothes. You usually put it on your neck, right? And... No, they often do it on the arm as well, though, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. So um, they don't make you like roll up a shoulder. Shoes, yeah, and then in yeah, the yeah. next, then when Next Gen came around, they didn't even need to change the medicine or anything. She, she could program it, and it would presumably create the whatever it was they needed to inject it with inside it. Uh, you know, and she would press a few buttons and then sh- through the, through the clothes. It barely gets any kind of attention. But in terms of medical tech, I've often thought that is a really cool piece of kit. It's a really creative prop. Mm-hmm. 
one of those, please. Yeah. Very recognizable, and it's, e it's something easy, transportable to take on a way mission. Mm -hmm. But being able to being able to program effectively like a futuristic syringe, so that it creates, so it generates whatever medicine they need. So it's like a, a replicator. So it's like so a it's this, replicator. I think there's some sort of replication type of thing going on inside this little thing, and then they don't, you know, do it through the clothes. It's very cool. It's a really, really nice addition to to Star Trek tech that's that goes mm -hmm. almost entirely unnoticed, really, you know, or at least uncommented on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like the, the kids' toys, your hyperspray, your your phaser, your tricorders. What is it? Tricord, tricorder. So cool. I think we covered a lot there. So yeah. medical, um, Doctor Shit. I hope you've enjoyed our little chat there. And if you've got anything to add to the conversation, send us a message. Um, yeah, find us on Instagram, find us on Reddit, find us at StarTrekHighlyLogical.com. Yeah, next time we'll be talking about something else. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Okay. And stay safe out there, don't get floozy and flu. Um, EMH out. Yes, right. <laughs> end program. De deactivate. Oh, no, deactivate, there you go. Deactivate Spanner and Alfie, deactivate Highlyological, deactivate, deactivate, deactivate. Explosion, warp core breach in four, three. Star Trek, highly illogical. These are the ramblings of Spanner and Alfie, their continuing mission to overanalyze sci-fi telly, to explore nonsensical truth and strange new observations, to badly go where too many have gone before. Ba-ba-ba-ba! <laughs> Ba-ba! <laughs>